You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily podcast on the Dallas Cowboys, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Marcus Mosier. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today is the one and only Landon McCool. You can follow him on Twitter at McCoolBTB. Uh, uh, supposedly, you are semi-retired, right? You're, you're retired from being a full-time analyst, but not retired from being a fan. Is that right? I, I guess that's the way we're putting okay. it. I mean, I, yeah, I can't I'm keep basically... up anymore. I am basically yeah, it's you and me both, buddy. Uh, I basically am, am just not like making myself, uh, you know, uh, I'm not imbuing myself with the knowledge of an expert. I'm not spending a whole bunch of hours trying to research stuff the way I used to currently. But how do you so get that I'm title of being the expert? Because I want that. You, you just you actually got to like look at, at film every once in a while, oh, okay. and uh, you got to do some research. <laughs> so much all right let's jump into our show so coming up on today's show Landon and i talk about some of the cowboys most recent coaching moves and man we've had a lot of them over the last couple of weeks but we're going to jump into two of the biggest ones and we're going to go ahead and start on offense uh the biggest news of i think it was last week or no maybe 10 days ago was that the cowboys officially let offensive line coach frank pollock go and they decided to hire Paul Alexander at that spot. Alexander was the Bengals offensive line coach for 24 years. Uh, I asked our friend and Bengals expert, uh, using that term expert, Joe Goodberry, about him. I'm just going to read the message that he sent to me last week because uh, he knows way more about Alexander in his history than I will ever know. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and read that right now, and then I'll let you comment on what he's told me. Uh, so this is Joe Goodberry speaking on Alexander. He said, So Alexander has been with the Bengals since before Marvin Lewis. He had the trust of Mike Brown and was granted assistant head coach that way. This gave him more power than the typical offensive line coach. He had power in the draft room to get his guys, and the Bengals drafted offensive line early and often. He started who he wanted and benched who he wanted. He had too much say in the run game design and based it off of his offensive line rather than the running back strengths. He really struggled to coach zone. He likes big, strong, heavy-handed offensive linemen. He teaches technique a bit differently. He doesn't like vertical sets and teaches low, wide hands. There's other little technical differences, and they say it takes time to adjust for other players. It's why they usually drafted their guys and not signed outside free agents. It's also why he started worse players over better players, because they would do what he asked. He's coached great players in Willie Anderson, Andrew Whitworth, and good starters in Levi Jones, Eric Steinbach, Bobby Williams, Andre Smith, and found a way to get production out of guys like Anthony Collins, Stacey Andrews, Kyle Cooks, and Nate Livings, who we're both familiar with. Speaking of Livings, there was a time when he chose to play him over Evan Mathis, who played for the Eagles for a bunch of years. Uh, but Evan Mathis wouldn't conform to his style of coaching, even though he was the far superior player. We saw it again lately as he forced Russell Bodine to start as a rookie after trading up to get him then continued to keep Christian Westerman inactive. They took control from Alexander these past two games, and the offensive line played great, even the backups, Westerman and Redman. 
it seems like most offensive line coaches wanted him gone because of his, or sorry, most offensive coaches wanted him gone because of his overreach affecting other positions. And it's believed that Marvin wanted to fire Alexander if he were to coach the Bengals again. And that's ultimately what happened is Marvin Lewis signed a contract extension and Alexander left. Um, I, I read all you guys this because, first of all, Joe is an awesome follow and he really knows his stuff. But also Absolutely. to say that he's not really a bad offensive line coach if you take away some of his personnel decisions and if he's just focusing on teaching the offensive line. So, Landon, I apologize for ranting and reading all that. I know that takes up a lot of our show. But please give us your thoughts on the Paul Alexander signing. Well, first off, I mean, I, there's a lot there. And I'd like to move in from 10,000-foot view in, right? So first thing is I got we get a lot of questions this time of year, especially as we start tr- trading out these uh, position coaches. Like what kind of difference can a position coach really make to a team? <clears throat> and, you know, and it really varies depending on, on what position it is and, and what, what the team is and how the structure is and all that good stuff. But, you know, I try to generally, and I, and I tweeted it out like this a little bit, I, I try to generally look at it like this, like where the – Offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator come up with the recipe. Uh, the 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 actual individual position coaches can kind of help you change up your technique in uh, preparing the different elements of the recipe in order to make it a better meal. So mm-hmm. whether you you know and and I think that's that's kind of what we can look forward to with stuff like Alexander and and and, and Chris Richard. And we'll get into him a little bit later, but uh, just universally, a lot of what was said there. Let me let me first just put it back on you. When when you heard Joe and I totally one hundred percent endorse Joe as well. Joe Goodberry is one of the best commenta- uh, Bengals commentators out there. Um, when, when you heard that, who did that kind of did that remind you of anyone in particular? I like mean, that, that, look- that descri- and I'll put I'll put I'll put I'll put it more succinctly. When, when he said that the idea of getting him out of the war room w- could make him a, a a better offensive line coach, did that remind you of anyone in particular? A little bit of Rob Marinelli. That's that's exactly where my mind went. Yep. And 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 I think that a, a lot of when the when the complaining started happen when this hire happened, uh, the, the my mind went to exactly that where 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 guys I was like guys can you imagine how upset we would be if Rod got fired by us and then agreed to go to some other team to just be the defensive line coach. Mm-hmm. Like because we would be. I mean, because um, I mean, most of all of us would agree that he's a good defensive line coach. I think, you know, there are some question about him as a defensive coordinator, which I don't have, but I think other people's have. Me other people have, right. obviously, and obviously have, you know, solid points that to be made there. But I think he is mostly, considerably, unquestionably, to be a good defensive line coach. Yes. So, I, I, and I think that that's kind of what we're seeing with 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 this is that he's coming here to be an offensive line coach now. I do have some concerns because I I, I was you know semi aware of Paul Alexander before this, and um, you know I think with some of the technique stuff that they're talking about the low hands thing uh, is 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 interesting but effective techniques and it can could really be useful for a guy like Lael Collins because ultimately what he's trying to do with this the, what, what when you described the low hand technique is that is a means to stop his offensive linemen. For, from overextending and bending at the waist to try to overreach and pass sets. Yes, and and, and what he what he wants, what he thinks it does that extra step of getting your hands up, 
first of all, helps with your leverage. Second of all, it helps with the timing of the punch because it gives you that much you know, more time to have to get there to allow the defensive lineman to get a little bit closer into your body before uh, you know, placing your hands in the right spot and, uh, and, and get, getting your hands locked into where it needs to be. Now, there's some risk versus reward there, obviously, because what, if you're too slow, the, the guy's going to get into your body and he's going to be able to, to, to power through to you, and that's going to be uh, all kinds of problems against especially more powerful defenders or people trying to bull rush you. Um, but I, I think ultimately, if you can, you know, get the technique down, it, it might be a, a preferable technique. And I think that that, you know, kind of can show when you look at, you know, I think the questions that are going to be uh, on on Alexander's techniques and, and his teaching. Uh, you know, and, and how they fit will be on the run side, where I think he is probably beyond reproach is as a pass protection protection teacher. Because I think, you know, if you look at these Bengals teams, they've survived in a very vicious AFC North for a long time and, and have consistently been very good pass protection teams. And, and, and I think that that's v- demonstrable simply by the fact that uh, you know that the the Red Rifle even has a career in the NFL, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that he has had some pretty good protection in his time there. And as that has you know changed, um, you know these last few years, and, and I think that could arguably be pointed to to because of personnel with Fisher and with uh, uh, is it a Boyhe that's the, the other yep, tackle Cedric there? Abuehi. Yeah, yeah. I you know I think that that's I think that 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 can kind of point to maybe more of who that guy is. So I think that if you look at it like that, you know, he's coming into a situation where these guys clearly know how to pass to run block on a certain levels, especially zone zone run blocking. They don't need Paul Alexander how to to show them how to teach that, really. I mean, they they know how to do that. What 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 Alexander can help to come in is maybe add some more power to their scheme. I mean, they're already very scheme diverse. If you look at the run percentages between Cincinnati and Dallas, the outside zone and inside zone percentages are very similar. Yeah. Um, it's really just what the what the Cowboys do when they're not running those plays versus what Cincinnati does when they're not running those plays. That's different. So maybe we see a little bit uh, in that you know like thirty percent that isn't zone runs in the, in the in the Cowboys run game. Maybe that makeup is just you know messed with a little bit in, as, as in terms of man versus power and that sort of thing. Well, so, here's the other thing too: is it, it's not like they lost a great offensive line coach, anyways. Well, I, that was just what I was going to say. Is l- 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 let's look at it this way. I mean, I understand everyone has reveres for Frank Pollock and all this stuff, but it, you know, everyone's like, "Golly, we traded line coaches." And, and <laughs> Is that a got bad the better thing? Tra- Is that got, a bad? Got the better trade of that. Well, let me ask you this: take away from the team's perspective, if you're a coach, an offensive line coach, and you have a choice between going to the Dallas Cowboys with where they are at their, at oh, their, gosh, uh, yeah. you know, their, not only just the resources, but also the, the players that are in that room with you, or to go to the Cincinnati Bengals room with, with the same set of, of coaches and all that, which one are you choosing? Absolutely. You yeah. know, and I, and I, and I think that that's, that's something to be said there. So I, I think that the, my point is, is that, I, I, I doubt Frank Pollock views that he got the good end of that trade, or you know. And that I, I think that if you ask both these gentlemen at this point, if you know, if all things being equal and they're being free agent co- coaches, which team they would prefer? They probably choose Dallas just because of the situation. So, I guess my point is is that you know, it wasn't like oh, we lost Frank Pollock. 
All right, like we we made a conscious decision to move on from Frank Pollock. Well, here's the thing um, with Pollock too is he, he became the Cowboys' offensive line coach in 2015 for three seasons. Does he did he really develop anybody? I mean, is there anybody you can point to and say hard, yes? Yeah, is this this player is a say, better player you know? now than he was in 2014? It's really it's really hard to say that he did. You know, and I think that that ultimately. Um, you know, people wanted. You know, the people that are complaining about this, uh, not coincidentally, are also the same people that couldn't figure out why the Cowboys couldn't mid-game change <laughs> their protection schemes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yep. so uh, I think that because it's not possible, and because it takes uh, you know a week to to reintroduce you know blocking schemes with you know with route combinations, yada yada yada. The guys that we're coming up with that trying to adjust the protection schemes and match them with the uh, with the uh, route schemes that they're coming up with, they decided that 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 Pollock wasn't good enough to do the job anymore. So that's where we ended up with that. And this is going to be a thing we're going to have to watch all through training camp. I'm hoping you're going to training camp so you can watch a little of Alexander and report back to us. Can can you at least go out to training camp a couple of days for us this year? I mean, stop trying to blackmail me on air to get Come back on. into Cal into Cal- right. Cowboys Twitter. Okay. Well, um, we got some other coaching news to get to in a second, but just a real quick note, since you brought up Rod, Mar- Rod Marinelli in the war room, did you hear today that the Cowboys did not send any coaches to the Senior Bowl this week, and that was a, a purposeful decision not to send them there? I, mean, I Honestly, at this point, like I, I think that it's – it's not necessary anymore. Yeah. Like I, I do. I think that. Listen. I think that there is an, an evolution situation to this as well. Because the truth of the matter is, is that as the scheme is being installed early on to the system, you probably want your coaches watching these guys with the with the scouts because you want these coaches to influence the scouts into showing them what kind of players they want, and and, and so they can learn that. Now, as time goes on, and as these guys get a better feel for it. There, I think, and as you look at you know potential players that we think may have been coaching choices or coaching selections, I think it becomes clear that okay, okay, look, these scouts clearly have a good idea of what you want and and what you're looking for in the players in these positions. Let's let them now go and do their jobs separately without the coach's right. influence, and then bring them to you, and then we can go from there. You know, I think that there is, I, I think there was. There's a certain amount of meshing in that and, and going to the practices together that's useful and that sort of thing. But I also think that there is uh, there's a point when the scouts can uh, have got it, you know, especially with schemes like these. They, they know the, 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 these offensive and defensive schemes. They know what these coaches are looking for. They don't need the, the coaches looking over their shoulder for the rest of the you know the rest yeah, of the yeah. And you've careers. had the same group for a while now. I mean, you've had the same people in charge for a, a, several years now, so they know what they're looking yeah. for. Exactly, and and also these practices are all filmed and on TV. Yeah, so they can watch all of them. It's not a big deal, really. Maybe uh, maybe this is a good thing. It, maybe it's a blessing in disguise that these coaches aren't there and they're they're letting the scouts do their job. We'll, we'll have to see how it works. But um, I want to talk about Matt Eberflus and Chris Richard, and we'll do that in a second. But before we do that, let me tell you guys about my bookie. Uh, ever since we started this podcast, people have been asking us for advice. Usually it's what team to bet on. Well, let me tell you this. Where you're betting is just as important as who you are betting on, and that's why I always tell our listeners to go to mybookie.ag. MyBookie has been in the business for years, and their rep is rock solid. They do 100% cash bonuses, so off the bat, you're making money for doing absolutely nothing. And they have the fastest payouts. Seriously, just two business days. 
I would only recommend a service to my listeners that has been good to me in the past, and that's why I'm urging you guys to make your way to MyBookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business, and an all-new mobile site that makes wagering on the go a breeze. If you join now, MyBookie will match your deposit with an up to 100% bonus. Just use promo code LOCKEDON to activate that offer. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, so the other significant development in the past week is that linebacker coach and passing game coordinator Matt Eberflus is taking the job with the Indianapolis Colts. Um, He is going to follow Josh McDaniels there. Um, According to Todd Archer, the Cowboys actually offered him the defensive coordinator job, but it kind of felt like he and his wife just needed a fresh start. They wanted to go somewhere else. Uh, What do you think of his departure, and how much do you think that's going to uh, impact the Cowboys this season? Well, I mean, I think that um, I, I I think that that it it the whole situation with Eberflus was just it was uh, a bunch of bad timing. You know, I think ultimately the idea was that Eberflus was going to take over, um, and I which think I would have liked. Uh, I think we all would have liked that. Yeah, yeah. It. Um, I, I think that. You know the timing of it, and, and not necessarily being ready to uh, hand over the the keys uh, so soon. And then I think obviously, you know, they had a tough decision to make, and I and I feel like they probably knew that the die was cast when they um, when they they didn't allow him to uh, uh, interview for the San Francisco defensive coordinator job. You know, I think that that was that was a tough decision because they knew that it probably wasn't going to. Um, uh, uh, Make him happy, clearly, and um, and but they knew that they had to do it because they knew that they wanted to hold on to him. So, um, I you know it's unfortunate because I think he's a great young coach. I think he's going to do do good things in this league. Um, but I you know I, I I think that it happens. These guys move on. Uh, you know whether he was going to end up being the defense coordinator this season or not, it, it, I guess remains to be seen. But. I, I, you know, I, I think that he's going to go off and do good things, but I also, you know, I, I think he, he isn't necessarily Sean Payton on the defensive side. I think, you know, we're not going to. I think he's a good defense coordinator we've lost that we really liked, but I, I think that I'm, I'm also happy with the guy we got. So uh, I think yeah. that, that, you know, it's, it's a loss, but I think that they were able to recover from it pretty well. Yeah, let's jump right into that. To replace Iberflus, the Cowboys brought in former Seattle Seahawks defense coordinator Chris Richard. We think it's Richard. We're not sure if it's Richard or Richard. Um, If you guys know us, tweet us and let us know. Uh, He's going to be in charge of the passing defense as well as being the team's defensive back coach. Um, I'll let you go first. What are your thoughts on the signing of Chris Richard? Well, I think that it's – it's. I mean, my thoughts are are kind of compartmentalized in two different things. Um, one, I, I think that he's going to be. I mean, I think the job that he got hired for, he's going to be fantastic for. I yes, think you know. Perfect. I think he. I, I, I think as far as the defensive back and uh, a passing game, uh, defensive passing game coordinator, like he's a, a fantastic fit for that. He is obviously one of the best defensive back coaches in football. Um, I, I, I think as far as that side of it goes. Uh, he's he's a slam dunk, and you probably you know you probably couldn't have gotten a, a better player uh, to to uh, to look at it, you know to to get at that spot. So, um, you know, as far as a, an heir apparent to um, uh, you know the, the defensive coordinator job, I, I I'm not like 
um, it's I, I'm not like worried about it or con- I have concerns. It's just I'm not as certain about his ability as a defensive coordinator as I am as a defensive back coach. You know, I, yes. because I think that that's what's tough to tell is that you know he had a pretty fantastic group of guys when he started the job. Um, and you know his numbers got worse as he was there, but I, you know, my, they also had a lot of injuries, though. They had yeah, a lot yeah, of injuries. Yeah, yeah, that's why. That's my point. Is that it? Is that I'm not quick to blame him for that, but at the same time, I'm also not certain about any of it. You know what I'm saying? Like because, like you know, his numbers did go down. There was a lot of injuries, which I think is a direct result of that. But at the same time, outside of me feeling like his injuries was a result to the decline outside of that, I have no idea what kind of defensive coordinator he is. You know, like I, I think, I think that would be, that's still an unknown, I guess is my point is that, you know, there was, there's some things about his, there's a lot of circumstance around his uh, last job that make it difficult to kind of parse out, you know, what kind of defensive coordinator he was, because this isn't necessarily, I mean, this is the defense that he's used to running. I'm certain because he's been with Carroll since, you know, his USC days practically. Um, And so, I mean, I, I think that that's not the question, but, but at the same time, he wasn't the architect of this defense when he became the defensive coordinator. So like how much of it is him standing on the shoulder of giants? How much of his decline is, you know, because of injury, it's all a very – there's a lot of moving targets and there's a lot of you know uncertainty there. It's making, making it very difficult to parse exactly what kind of defensive coordinator we might be getting once Rod Marinelli retires. All right, so a few quick things. First of all, I have a hard time getting really excited about positional coaches long term because things happen so fast in the NFL. If, let's say, the Cowboys have a really good defense this year, you know teams are going to come after Richard to be their defensive coordinator next year. And if Marinelli wants to stay on, there's not much they can do. Um, if if the Cowboys team fails and they have to fight or, a, or have to hire a new coach, they could very easily get rid of that entire staff. So I have a hard time... You know, even thinking that far into the future with, you know, some of these positional coaches. Um, but like you mentioned before, I think he's going to be really good at this job. I think having him be the passing game coordinator and coach the defensive backs, I'm really excited about. But I think we need to temper our expectations. I know Cowboys Twitter is all excited about this, and they're excited that they're going to have this new Seattle defense, and their cornerbacks and safeties are going to play like Richard Sermon and Earl Thomas. I just don't think that's realistic. Normally it takes at least two or three years before you really start seeing the impact of some of these coaches. Um, But what I do like is that I like that his defensive philosophy meshes well with Marinelli. Both are... Uh, defensive guys that don't want to give up the big plays over the top. They want to have everything in front of them. They emphasize speed and tackling. Uh, everybody fly to the football. They're betting on that an offense will not be able to sustain you know, 10 and 12 play drives every single possession they have. Um, they, they really focus on turnovers. So I, I, I'm excited about this move, but I'm not thinking that this is the move that's going to make the Cowboys a top five defense, if that makes sense, right? I, I, I think we can be optimistic that it's going to work out, but I think we just need to temper our expectations a little bit with Chris Richard. Yeah, I mean, I look, I mean, I think that they, they could – they're definitely primed to potentially make a jump. I mean, I think the defense. I think that, but I think that that 
Chris Richard is Richard is not like the <laughs> see uh, yeah. the, the Chris Richard is not the the like the only reason that that would happen. You they know, got like a lot I talent. think. The, they have they they just got a huge influx of of young defensive talent, um, you know that that are they're going to be coming into their second year, um, so I think that that will contribute to it as well. But I yeah I think that like a lot of things, you know, success has as many fathers, and and I and I think that, um, you know, there's there's people have a certain a certain right to you know of course the right to be excited about it. I I do agree that it, we shouldn't view it as necessarily a second coming of some kind of fantastic coaching. I think we got by far the the best available defensive back coach that was out there. Yep. But I, that, I don't know that that's you know that this is like the 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 final piece. I think that this is just a a good hire, uh, a maybe uh, uh, an upgrade in the defensive back you know the defensive back field coach. Uh, situation and maybe a, a lateral move in the defense of passing game coordination uh, move. But as far as you know, the heir apparent to the defensive coordinator or anything we'll beyond that, yeah, that's that's that still very much remains to be seen. So I really like Greg Jackson, who is their safety coach. I like that combination of those two because those two, I think, are two of the better positional coaches in the league. But if I'm not mistaken, they still need a linebacker coach, correct? Yeah, they don't have a linebacker coach as far as I'm, I'm aware. Yeah, so they still have a few more hirings to go. We just have a couple minutes left. Uh, it's not official yet, but the Cowboys look like they are going to hire Kellen Moore to be their quarterback coach. Um, <laughs> I, this is always a fun one because people make fun of Kellen Moore because he wasn't a successful uh, in co- uh, quarterback in the NFL ranks, so they don't think he can do the job. I think he'll be fine. It, He'll be fine. Any quick thoughts on Kellen Moore as the offensive, uh, or sorry, the quarterback coach this year? Well, real quick, as far as linebacker coach, look, they interviewed John Pagano, so look out for maybe. Ooh, him. I didn't if, even, I didn't yeah. see that one. Yeah, well, that was he. He got interviewed around the same time that they were talking about, or I don't know if the interview happened, but they, they had scheduled an interview with him around the same time that Ray Horton's name was. Coming I like around. that. One. So, oh. um, yeah, is Ray Horton still an old, option? I mean, I know he's. Almost, I mean, he was more of a defensive, you know, guy. I don't. I don't know. I mean, I can't imagine that now that they're giving away that defensive passing game. I mean, where, where's he going to fit? He's not. He's never been a linebacker coach before. I mean, I don't know that he can't. I don't know that he can't do it, but I, I just I think Pagano makes more sense because he's got a lot of experience as a linebacker coach. So I feel like that's why that side would make sense to me. I mean, just, we shouldn't go off on this too much. To me, looking back at the Ray Horton John Pagano thing, to me that looked like okay, we want Chris Richard. If Chris Richard comes in, he's our defensive back coach and our passing game coordinator, and then we go for John Pagano. If we can't get Chris Richard. Then we go get Ray Horton. He's our passing game coordinator, defensive back coach, and then we'll get uh, a lot. Well, we could probably still get John Pagano. Yeah, Pagano so, would be a great I mean, hire. He would be fantastic. Yeah. So I don't know if he's interested, but that's that's that. Anyways, uh, what was the original? Kellen Moore. What do you think? Real quick. Kellen Moore. Real quick. I, you know, look, uh, ability. Uh, this is when we talk about what a quarterback coach is. A quarterback coach is someone who watches film with the quarterback, helps to translate the offensive scheme. Uh, attack points to overlay to what the defense that we're facing, right? To the quarterback. Basically, uh, like a guide for the quarterback uh, when watching the defense through the eyes of, of Linehan's, you know, offense. And I think that when you think, consider it like that as, as a, as a someone who is just 
equally adept at the offense is someone who's an extra set of eyes to help them break down defenses, help them watch tape, and help them figure out how best to attack that tape. And when you consider that that's really the main job of the QB, not necessarily someone who's teaching Tack how to throw or, you know, like all the other ridiculous things that we seem to hear suggestions of, um, you know, for people that are upset about this, I I think it's a lot – it makes a lot more sense because – Obviously, this kid has an encyclopedic knowledge of Linehan's offense and of football in general. Obviously, he's seen a lot of defenses. Obviously, he's done a lot of work in the in the uh, the film room as a four year starter in college and then as a backup quarterback all these years. So clearly, do I think that he's necessarily a plug and play quarterback coach for any team across the league? I don't know that that's true, but I think that he, this guy knows Linehan's offense probably as well as anybody not named Linehan. So that is going to be extremely useful for a, a young quarterback who's trying to figure out how, still figure out how his skill set fits in with what they're doing on offense. Yeah, and you got to remember the the head coach is a former quarterback. And Scott Lanahan's really going to be doing the heavy lifting with Dak. So they've got that covered. I, I guess I don't stress about it. It's not going to be a big issue. I mean, did you really notice anything big that Wade Wilson did when he was here? Was it like he was this all-star quarterback coach? I mean, I don't think so. So we'll see how it plays out. A busy week in Cowboy coaching staff moves. If anything else happens over the next week, we will make sure to fill you guys in. That's it for today's show. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Follow Landon at McCoolBTB. I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier, and we will see you guys next time. 